father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, how are you? This is Coach Kevin Furtado. I'd like you welcoming to our um, <clears throat> our Zoom meeting today on the ball press chalkboard. Um, today we have a great opportunity <clears throat> to interview some great coaches here. I'd like to introduce uh, five of our coaches, all experts on the ball press. All right, as you can see, so our ball press defense uh, chalk talk. First of all, we have Coach Jared Hunsinker. Head girls basketball coach at Boonville High School. He attended both Southeastern Community College in Iowa and Culver Stockton College in Canton, Missouri, where he earned a BS degree in education. He coached at both Clark County Boys and Scotland County Girls Boys in Northeast Missouri while coaching the Scotland County Girls. They played for three district titles, winning one in 2011. He just concluded his eighth season of coaching the Boonville Lady Pirates, where his team ended the 2018-19 season at 21 and four. Over the last seven seasons, they have won five conference championships, four district titles, made two quarterfinal appearances, which included a third place finish in class three in 2015 with a record of 30 and one. Overall record at Boonville is 171 and 47. <clears throat> overall, overall, he has accumulated over 270 plus wins. This season, they went 22 and four and made it to the district four finals. He is known for his tough 1-2-2 ball pressure defense. Our next coach, Greg Brisher from La Plata High School in Missouri, 500 plus career wins. Uh, Brisher had just wrapped up his 30th season of coaching boys basketball in 2019. <clears throat> Excuse me, 2020. In 2010, he led an undefeated Sturgeon team to the state championship with an undefeated 32-0 record, was named the KRES Coach of the Year. MBCA Class 2 Boys Coach of the Year and a National Federation High School Coach of the Year for the state of Missouri. Fisher has previously coached at Moberly, Clark County, Glasgow, and Trenton in Missouri. He has amassed 500 plus wins in his career and has amassed nine conference titles. His teams are known for zone defense and particularly the 1-2-2 ball press. Coach Brian Ray, he's the head boys basketball coach at Payson Seymour High School in Payson, Illinois, 16 seasons as a head basketball coach, 286 wins overall. <clears throat> His overall record, 247-78 record, 743 win percentage, three regional championships, program's first ever sectional championship, elite eight qualifier, and state rank six out of the last seven seasons. He is known for his 1-2-2 ball press defense and disciplined teams. 
Coach Andy Douglas. He's the head boys basketball coach at Quincy High School in Quincy, Illinois. His overall coaching record is 111 and 52, and his overall record is 197 and 88. Uh, before Quincy, he was at Liberty High School, a class 1A school. Douglas led the Eagles to an 83 and 36 record and two regional championships. Before taking the job at Quincy, Douglas was an assistant coach on the Quincy High School varsity team. Coach Grant Brent, head coach, basketball coach at Mount Vernon High School in Mount Vernon, Missouri, three-time defending district champions, 100-plus career wins in Missouri. Coach Brent has been the head coach of the Neosho Lady Wildcats for four seasons, 2013 to 2017, compiling a 61 and 42 record. Five great coaches, all experts, all run their 1-2-2 ball press expertly. So we're looking forward to talking to all of them here. So coaches, I hope you're really excited about joining me. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. The other day we had uh, two great buzz defense coaches, and today you're going to have five uh, expert, expert coaches on running the ball defense, uh, one two two ball press defense. So uh, hopefully you enjoy. All right, coaches, welcome to um, Championship Vision uh, Chalk Talk. And we got three great – we got all Missouri coaches here, man. What a great honor. And uh, I want them – I've already introduced you guys ahead of time, but I want each coach to kind of lead off and talk about your programs and um, talk about what's going on right now. So, Jarrett, you, Coach, you want to start out? Yeah, my name is Jarrett Hunsiker. I'm the uh, girls coach at uh... – Boonville, Boonville, Missouri, which is just right west of uh, Columbia, Missouri, right in the right in mid Missouri, the heart of Missouri. Um, this is just finished up my eighth year at Boonville. Um, had some success last year, so hoping to continue on. Um, but probably what I give a lot of credit to is our defense and the one-two-two ball press. You know, it's kind of our identity. I think when you talk about Boonville Lady Pirates and and, and myself and stuff, I think most they can associate associate it with. Um, uh, the one-two-two ball press. So it's been really, you know, it, it's been good for us. We've won um, six conference championships, five districts here. Um, a couple quarterfinal appearances with a, uh, a third place in, in 2015, a third place finish. So, uh, in, in, like I said, I think 171 and 47, I think is the record here, of 280 or so wins. So getting a ways away from Greg Bisher there with uh, total wins, but uh, – <laughs> Hey, you're um, catching up, catching up. Catch, you know, getting up to the 300 milestone. Uh, but uh, but when it comes down to it, this is what we're, you know, what we're kind of known for is the, is the one two two ball press. All right. Thanks, Coach. Coach Bisher. I'm Greg Bisher. I'm a boys basketball coach at uh, La Plata uh, in Missouri, which is just south of Kirksville, about an hour and 10 minutes north of Columbia, where the University of Missouri is at. Um, I started running the ball press in 2000. Uh, would have been my 10th year as a head coach. Um, I was looking for, as a young coach, all my system stuff was built around whatever college coach that, you know, I'd seen have success doing stuff. You know, Rick Pitino, uh, Bob Knight, people like that. Um, uh, and then uh, there was a coach in Illinois that had a great influence on me, Mike Frey, that we did some of his defensive stuff, uh, especially when I coached Jared at Clark County, played a lot of 1-3-1, 2-3 matchup. 
uh, that sort of thing. And I, and I was looking for a system that every team in that went through my school could play. And I didn't feel like, and, I, and I've coached mostly small school basketball. And in small school basketball, you're not going to have teams that often or every year anyway that are going to be great man-to-man defenders. Um, the one-three-one is really position specific. You've got to have, to me, you've got to have a lanky, athletic one, uh, which Jarrett played the top of our one-three-one, and uh, he, he fit that bill. That team had that, but not every team has that. So, I just got to looking at some of the programs around that had a ton of success: uh, Quincy, Notre Dame, Normal, U High. Those are Illinois schools. Um, that uh, I followed a little bit and they ran the one, two, two. And so I was head boys coach at Glasgow, Missouri at the time. And it was a small school and the head boys coach was also the assistant girls coach there. And the girls coach was looking for, he had a really, really good team and he was looking for a way to press on makes and misses. And I'd been intrigued by this ball press and had been studying it for about three years prior to that and just hadn't had the impetus to put it in with my own program yet. You know how that is, you know, you don't know stuff quite as well as you like. And so you're a little worried about putting it in. Well, Mike Reynolds was the girls coach and he says, I need something, I wanna be able to press on makes and misses. And I said, hey, let's try, let's try this ball press. And I'm the assistant coach and I'm thinking, if I screw it up, it's your team. It doesn't. It's not me. Uh, but anyway, we started that thing and ended up winning 39 games in a row. I think it was won a state title that year, uh, and went to the ball press. And the next year, I went with it with my boys program in 0102, and have run either the ball press. The ball press has been the base defense of every team that I've had since. My 2010 state championship team ran a a variation of it. Didn't quite run the ball press all the time, but ran it a little bit. Uh, and um, it's been good for uh, I, I, over 400 wins in my career. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks, Coach. Hey, Grant. Hey, Kevin. Um, my name is Grant Barrett. Uh, I am at Mount Vernon High School. Uh, it's a class three school in Missouri. It sits right on I-44 between Springfield and Joplin. Uh, it's a program that's had uh, a lot of success in its time. Uh, we've finished up in the last two, two years as district champs in 48 and 12. Um, and this last year, we had zero seniors, only had two juniors. So we were very young. Um, uh, we had 12 freshmen in, in the program, three sophomores and two juniors. So, and we return everybody and we get a kid off an ACL injury. So we're and really excited about that. But uh, we exclusively ran it this year. Uh, but I was a assistant for 15 years on the girls' side, and for nine of those years, uh, I was with a Hall of Fame coach in mid-Missouri, Doug Light. And Doug, and Doug Light started, started the program in, in Missouri at St. Francis Borgia, and he had ran a lot of zone stuff. Well, when we took over at Helias Catholic in Jefferson City, we needed something to kind of even the playing field for us, and we went with this, uh, partly a, after playing a local coach in Stacia Parcel, which Jared knows, and we picked her brain a lot on this. And then uh, I, I actually got to see Jarrett when he took over at Boonville and played them that, that first year when he was installing it and getting it going. And then by the time I had left to come to Southwest Missouri to, to become the uh, 
a head coach here, he had that thing rolling. And we played each other for three or four years there at Elias Catholic before I had left. So I got to see his program get rolling. But when I came down to Southwest Missouri, it's known as a, on the girls' side especially, a pressure man-to-man, full court, uh, just get up and get out after you. And the program that that I was taking over at the time at Neosho, um, it hadn't had a lot of success. We were not very athletic. Um, and I had to find something different that I could sell to our kids to get them to buy into, you know, change. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that they ha- hadn't ran and people in this part of the state hadn't really seen yet. So I, I jumped on it. I talked to Jared. I, I, we talked a lot that first year on, hey, I'm doing this. I, and we took a program that hadn't won 40 game, games in five years prior and we won 60 something in the four years that I was there. Um, and since then, when I took over at Mount Vernon, um, I was blessed my first year to have a loaded senior class and they had played mainly man to man. Um, and, uh, I kept a lot out of those principles, but I still taught the ball press cause I knew I would only have that group for a year. Um, and then after they left, we got back to it this year and we had a lot of success. Uh, unfortunately we play in, in class three in this part of the state. there's a team called Strafford um, who has won the last five state titles and they have beat us the last four years in a row in the class Mm -hmm. sectional. So uh, I feel like we've had some teams that could do it and get there, but we have uh, ran into this juggernaut that uh, brought brought us back down. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I appreciate the insight coaches. Hey, share with me. um, I'm a big believer. We run, what we call our two-two our ball uh, our buzz defense. So by Mike, De, I, I just a lot of things that Mike DeVilvis has done and two-two-one dropping back in the half court trap and we press like all over the place. So, but I, I think it's an identity. Now, do you guys? I think what I love about the ball press is one defense and your your program has an identity. Um, but talk about the advantages and disadvantages of the de- of the defense because I think it's really cool. You may take this. Is that okay, guys? Yep. Go ahead. Like with, with Boone, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the reason why I ran it. You're talking about our identity, but um, I needed something to, um, you know, when I was at the Scotland County before I came here, we were more kind of like with uh, Coach Bishop, what we did in high school. I mean, we switched up defense quite a bit between man from 1 3, 1 2 3. And, but my last year there, we ran the, the ball press. So when I brought it here, I knew I was going to have better athletes. Um, and, we had success with it my last year at Scotland County. So I always thought when you actually get true athletes year after year for, you know, to a point, you know, how, how good could you take it or how good could it be? So advantages with us was just the constant pressure, you know, definitely the makes and misses, you know, it, it, you have to be a salesman when you first take and um, start putting it in and kind of get the girls to, to buy into it. And you tell them, Hey, you know, we're going to do something that, uh, other teams around the area don't do. And that's, you know, like, they, like what Coach Bishop, what Craig Bishop said was, you know, press makes and misses. But um, I think it kind of, one of the advantages is it makes other teams play unorganized, different than what they're usually doing. You know, I think um, Ed Costley, we played Mexico this year, and Ed Costley afterwards has a quote in the, uh, the paper, which I thought was kind of perfect. And what that was, um, unless you have players that are able to make plays, you're going to struggle because they're going to get you out with all the, the different trapping, the different, you know, the bluffing and stuff and the pressure and stuff. There's going to come a time where you have to take and 
the opponents just got to play and make plays themselves. They just, they can't run a whole lot of structure at times because we can take a few things, you know, take and uh, uh, disrupt that a little bit. So advantages, I think, you know, the constant pressure, the, the, the traps everything throw at them, it, it takes away, you know, it's an unorganized type of style of play. It takes away time from other teams working on their, their stuff that now they have to take in and spend time working on the press. And even then, we know how it is. It, it's not going to be anywhere near as good as um, how we run it because we run it so so uh, so often in practice. Uh, things that look open are going to be open come game nights and everything. So, uh, um, and I think just overall, I think just kids just like the, the press in general. You know, it kind of, it, when you have when you have a deeper teams and stuff, you get to play maybe a few more players and just kind of builds that team spirit and stuff as well. Hey, Coach, uh, Coach Fisher, what do you think? I mean, what, I mean, you've been running it for a long time. What are some advantages to running it, and why do you run it? I think you already mentioned it, but what are some disadvantages, too? Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't think Jared got into the disadvantages yet. We can probably talk about that later, but talk about the advantages of, of using this press. Well, I, I, what I mentioned earlier was every team can do it. Yeah. You can adjust it to suit your team if you're more athletic. You can uh, be more aggressive defensively. If you're not as athletic, you can soften up and you can, I mean, we ran it this year sometimes. My, my team this year, we were uh, uh, pretty pretty small. We, we had one kid 6'1", a couple 5'11", a 5'10 kid, and a 5'9 kid, and we won 18 games, won our district title. Um, and we used, we were we were locked down defensively, but we just made it really difficult for other teams to score just we just played a pretty soft press up front. A lot of times we didn't even one-two trap. We just kind of made it hard for the other team to get the ball up the floor. That's when we were most efficient. And eventually they'd get frustrated because they couldn't score quickly and they'd just throw us the basketball. Uh, conversely, two years ago we had a team and I had a six-foot-three really athletic kid on the top of it. We had six threes on the back of it. We were big. We were athletic. We uh, we gambled a little bit more. We pressured a lot more, and and we forced tempo to speed people up. I think that's that's the advantage. That's what I like about it. I mean, uh, I've had I've had th what I call threes that have been six foot five on the back of it, and a six foot three or six foot four one, and then it could be like this year where we played with uh, pretty much all short kids, and and we're we're fine with it. Um, I do think in the half court there's a disadvantage rebounding with it when you stay in it with it in the half court. We actually went away from it in the half court this year and went to a point and talk matchup zone behind our one, two, two ball press, but that, that's another topic. But advantages to me is I can control tempo. The other advantage is even if you're only soft pressing, your kids think you're pressing. All kids want to press. They right. want to get after it. And they, they don't realize, my kids really, I didn't realize this year that we really were only trying to slow the other team down. Uh, we weren't really trying to steal the ball from them, but they were pressing. I mean, we made a t-shirt several years ago uh, and on the back of it, it said, uh, it, uh, it, the front of it said ball press. And on the back, it said coming soon to a gym near you, the ball press tour coming soon to a gym near you. And we put our schedule on the back of the t-shirt and the, the kids just loved it. We were, you know, we were ball press. We were all about it. So they, they buy into that. Your program has an identity and then it's just so flexible that, uh, we, we feel like every team we have can do it even in a school our size. 
hey, you have shirts like that, you better have some game, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you better be able to play. We won 22 that year, so uh, okay. the T-shirt turned out okay. <laughs> um, thanks, Greg. Coach, Coach Grant, what do you think? I agree with those guys. Um, you can play it a variety of ways. Um, I've played it in the get up and get after you and our ones and twos, and we pick up on the ball. Um, and then I was more like Coach Bisher this year where we called it a press, but we, it was more of a tempo press. Like we just controlled the tempo of the game and teams that run, we slowed them down or took away their fast break. And, and we still have, have, have our normal pickup points like our ones at three-quarter court. And, but we didn't get a lot of one-two traps. Um, I feel like um, when your threes are really good communicators and very and can anticipate well, then your press is it, it can be really good because you can gamble up front and your threes can make up in the backside for you. Um, and this year, unfortunately, that was our weak spot uh, because our threes were uh, again I'm on the girl side, but our, our threes were five six five seven. Um, so we had to kind of sl slow it down and just sideline the ball a lot. But I also feel like it makes opposing coaches take time in their practice plan to scout us and try and go against it. Um, and they're going to use their six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 girls to rep it, and you're not going to get those, those same reps. So they may know what they're going to do against you, but until they see it or see what way you're going to play it, and the good thing is, is like uh, Jared and Greg said, is you may come out and hard press them in the first quarter and then go back to a soft and then on a dead ball or a free throw, mix it up. And, and you can constantly do it. It's the same rotations. It's just your, your pickup points change and, and maybe where you want to get the trap on the floor changes. So we like it for that reason. And it helps us stay out of foul trouble uh, because we don't, I think we played six kids this year, maybe seven. Um, and it helped us stay out of foul trouble um, in that tempo style. Hey, Kevin. Yeah. Real quick, I'm kind of piggybacking off what Grant said here and about the threes, and I know Greg will take and uh, agree, but, you know, the top, the top three players set the tone, you know, but really, I mean, the, bot, the back two, the threes, are what kind of get that thing going. You know, if you, I've had in the past where I've had threes who – they're slow at taking away sideline. They're just – and we were still successful with it. But when you have a, a group that just anticipates well, they move, they do a good job of taking away the sideline, it's fun to watch. You know, so those threes – and, again, they, they see the whole court. They see everything. So, like what Grant said, they have to be good communicators and stuff. But um, the threes really make that defense um, take and, and go. And then I know Greg and I talked about before in the past – couple of years where the good thing about the ball press is with all the different pickup points, it gives you different looks. You know, I mean, teams taking, you know, we'll, we'll, three quarters is our base defense. Everything's based off of three quarters, but teams that do a good job passing or they're just, um, you know, they just don't turn the ball over as well. We might back it up and do it more in the half court. So like right when they come across, we, we trap a little bit more in the front court and right. just, it just shrinks the court. There's less areas for them to pass, less areas for them to attack. And the same defense, just by the different pickup points, it, it just gives you multiple looks as well. Hey, Jared, since you have the – I got a board here, but, you know, I want you guys to – Jared, if you could, Coach Bisher and Grant, can you guys use your board? And I want you guys to diagram, explain in detail as much as you can. First of all, 
to a person who knows nothing about the defense and kind of teach us the, uh, the, schema the schemes of the defense, just the basic schemes. Go ahead, Jared. Oh, I love it, Coach. Yeah. Yeah, do it. You can see okay. it. Good. Can you see okay? Okay. And again, you know, with Greg, myself, and Grant, it, it, you know, we view our things maybe a little bit different than, than other teams might. You know, with, with us, we're probably a little bit more aggressive about it than other coaches. Uh, you know, with our athletes and stuff, you know, we maybe trap different areas or, or trap more often than, you know, some people a little bit more conservative with it. But, but we'll all agree on when it comes to pickup points, you know, the three-quarter court is where pretty much we begin. And on even on day one of practice, we take – and, you know, we're one who – on day one, we'll do stuff in the three-quarter court. But we'll also take and start building from the quarter court up because we know that the majority of the, the game is going to be played – you know, they only have 10 seconds to get across. So most possessions can be played in the, in the half quarter, the quarter quarter. But we, we take in, we name our players or label them ones, twos, and threes. And I'm guessing, I know, Greg, you do the same thing. Grant, do you label yep. them one, two, three? Yep. So the yep. pickup do the same. the one is pretty much around the free throw line. And everything's based with us. I and mean, something I've came up with in talking to other ball press coaches over, like, over the years, is we basically say the twos have to play 15 feet behind the one. The threes play 15 feet off the two. So you're always playing 15 feet behind um, uh, the row in front of you just for spacing-wise. You know, if the twos move up and the threes stay back, then there's going to be a huge gap. Same thing if the one moves up and the twos stay back, there's going to be a huge gap. But the typical pickup points are the ones at the uh, free throw line. Twos basically have a foot. Their inside foot is in the center circle. And the threes are anywhere from pretty much the top of the key to the elbow. So, again, they're 15 feet behind the twos. That's our, um, our basic um, three-quarter court pickup point. And then based on what we do, we might go – if we back it up to half court, our, you know, we have the volleyball lines, like the spike lines, the 10-foot lines, 8-foot, whatever they are. But we might go half court where the one is at that spike line, the twos are at the other spike line, and then the threes are positioned, again, 15 feet behind them. Okay, so that's usually our half-court trap. And then we'll go, again, quarter-court, which is basically twos are at the elbows, one's at the top of the key. And so those are the different pickup points. At times, we went what we call thumbs up, which is we'll take the whole press and move it up towards the ball. And maybe it kind of dwarfs into a little bit like a diamond and one, a one-two-one-one, where we might get a quick trap. But this is pretty much, you know, for any coach watching, this is where everything kind of starts from these positions. Greg, you want to add anything? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll just say our, our pickup point with boys is between the circles. I don't know if you can see that. There we go. Oh, see a five. Yeah. Right, so our pickup points is, is between the top of the key and the half-court circle. Uh, we don't pick up quite as far down the floor. Uh, then the one is going to play that guy with the ball one of three ways. He's either going to get up and he's going to play man-to-man He's going to play or he's going to play in, the, in between the passing lanes. And he can only do that if he can prevent that ball handler from splitting between the one and the two. Because we tell him if the ball handler gets past the one, it's always the one's fault. It's never the two's fault. Now, that's, that's not always the case, but that's what we tell him. And so if we, if we say if you're going to play in between those passing lanes and they start splitting the one and the two, you've got to lessen your angle. Um, then that ball side two 
is going to be one foot on the edge of center third and one foot out of the center third, and his chest is gonna be perpendicular to the corner. And that's the way we play that. And we have him perpendicular to the corner because that gives him another step because we're gonna trap the speed dribble in the back court, or we're gonna trap the ball as soon as it crosses into the, into the front court, okay? So that gives him an angle, gives him one more step, and that way we can take slow kids and play them at the two if we teach them the proper angles to run uh, while they're playing this defense. That weak side two is on a baseline side front of whoever's in the middle. We, we tell them you've got to be there and you've got to be in that spot. And we also will teach them, and I can't demonstrate on this, but we'll teach them to actually have a hold of the jersey uh, while they're there. Um, and then we teach them to really show this hand, get, get that up hand and, and move it and get the referee looking up there. But then down below, we want them to get a hold of the jersey a little bit so that guy can't get away from them quite as easy. Because that ball goes down the sideline, and if you're not on a baseline side front, you can't keep that guy. That ball goes down the sideline. You cannot get that weak side three rotated over and pick that kid up quick enough. Otherwise, he's going to end up catching it in this area, and uh, then your defense is going to be screwed. Ball side three is playing halfway between the lane and out to the sideline. Now, Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. If we've got a really fast three, we'll let them get further out to the sideline. But I tell them, I ask my threes, how slow do you have to be to not be able to take three steps to knock a pass away when in the past is going 45, 50 feet. So we, we, we think we can be halfway between the lane and that sideline pass, and we still expect them to get that sideline pass taken away. Weak side three is then covering the basket. Then where, where I think the big thing on the one, two, two, the ball press and where a lot of people fall short and why they, it doesn't work for them like what they want is when the ball is moved, we really emphasize running angles. You know, when the ball goes between the two guards here, we are one, if he's there, we want him, he's got to run back to the edge of center third before he approaches the basketball again. If the ball goes by the twos, the twos have to run down the edge of center third before they approach the ball again, all to protect the center third. Our, we sell our kids, we protect the center third, nothing gets in the center third all night long. So I, I think those are a couple of things that I would just add to what Jared said is it, just uh, we play it a little bit different. Um, we're probably a little softer with it. I think in boys basketball, as opposed to girls, boys can make some longer passes that will hurt you. Uh, and uh, so we, we tend to pack it a little bit more and we really, really emphasize running those angles. We call them angles of recovery. And uh, so. And Greg, uh, real quick, you, with your backside two there, you play them below, right? The middle yes. hand? Yes. And that's where, with us, 
and with girls basketball, we'll take and, you know, if, if they put somebody in the middle here, you know, we'll, we'll play still on the top because we yes. take and do, you know, if we see them reverse, like they're going to throw it, we might shoot this gap and get a right. steal. They got like a two-guard front. And, again, the three might take and, you know, they go out or two counts, they might come up and replace a little bit, leaving this whole side, the backside corner open. But with girls, you know, if you have a good trap, they might not see that. You know, right. if they make that pass. We, we, pick, we pick our spots to do that. Yeah. We have we have several different versions of the one two two that we run, which I which is another thing I like. It's easy to adjust and it really makes you unscoutable. We have what we call red hot where we get up and deny the inbounds pass in one of two ways. We have red hot on the ball where we've got a guy on the ball and he's trying to deflect the inbounds pass, the old Rick Patino diamond press type of thing. Uh, and then we have uh, red off where we're we, we're denying the inbounds pass and we have a floater. Uh, then we have in, in just out of our regular red, we can play uh, hard red. And what you're talking about is what we would call hard red, uh, where we we're in front. We're not on the baseline side front with that weak side two. We're up in a dead front on him. And we're going to try to shoot the gap of that pass. But what we'll do when we do that is we'll pull our weak side three up to help cover the middle and we'll give up the long diagonal because it hasn't been open the whole time. So we're, you know, we do that a lot of times. You, and you guys probably see it too. We call it okie doke. You know, teams just pat the ball up the floor and we call it, they just okie doke us to death. Just okie doke, you know, and then they catch it back. Okie doke. Well, when we see them doing that, then we'll call out what we call hard red and uh, we'll, uh, we'll shoot that gap and try to steal that pass. But we don't do it on a regular basis. We might do it anywhere from four to 10 times a game, depending upon our opponent. And, and Kevin, real quick. Yeah. One thing I like about the one, two, two is in one possession, you give them a couple different looks when it comes to the trapping, because with the initial, you know, when the, when the ball handler dribbles down the court, you know, they see the trap coming because it comes from in front of them. It comes up. But if they would take, and again, our rules are, you know, we're going to take in any dribble across, we're going to one, two trap. Any pass across half court, we're going to two, three trap. So, you know, if they, if they take and reverse the ball, if they reverse the ball to the other side of the court and they take off in a speed dribble, you know, our twos are going to play. They're going to play tag. On the screen together. Like, yeah, play tag. Yep, like Coach said, like Rick said, they got sprint to the middle of the floor, but once they're close enough, they go. The one is kind of – you know, they're making that J move where they're cutting to the middle, you know, and then they're coming back up. But let's say they start dribbling this way before the one gets there. That two is angling them, keeping there. And here come that one pursuing for the backside. And we get a trap from the back, kind of like a run and jump from the back. So here you got a trap coming from the front where a quick reverse is, you know, three seconds later, if that two gets to turn on the, other, the opposite side of the line, the one is pursuing from the back and they have a blind trap in the back. Uh, so you got two different types of traps in one possession. Well, Jared, and to go with, with what you said on that one, if, if the ball gets reversed, that one has got to take what we call an inside out move. I think coach B yeah. Fisher was saying that they got to take the correct angle. Like we call that run back towards the middle and then attack the, where the ball had been passed. But if we, we speak in terms of, middle third and, and outside thirds, and we want to keep the ball on outside third on everything. And if we get the ball reversed and we get a speed dribble on that backside, 
we'll let our two and three and just let the two sideline the dribble all the way down until they run them into a three and then we get a two three trap um we do a lot of we we find in boys basketball we get more a lot more turnovers on that two three trap than we do on the one two trap the one two trap a lot of times is just to slow them down you know maybe maybe you're playing a team that doesn't have two good guards and you can catch one of them out front uh but you get a, a good two three trap uh you're you're going to end up with a turnover on a higher percentage than what you will out of the one-two trap, I think. In grants, it's about the the, uh, the the thirds, you know, the different thirds of the the floor. That's what's great about having, you know. Um, now I know La Plata probably doesn't have; they don't have volleyball lines, do they? Because you don't have volleyball, right? But you know, like Mount Vernon would have volleyball lines. We have volleyball lines. Kevin, I know you guys do down there, right. where coaches who want a ball press or anything or any type of zone trap. Those are perfect to use if you want to trap outside the volleyball, you know, the, the boundaries and stuff. And, you know, right. Push them towards the outside. You know, keep them away from the inside. You know, your trapping areas are on the outside, just like. Well, you talked on alignment and stuff. I don't know if this will work, but I got a, a clip. Yeah, right. You can kind of see I'm going to hit. It's after a dead ball, but our pickup point here, it's, it's kind of like what Jared was talking. And we're in the white. So our twos are in that middle third part, and then that backside two red, that skip. Unfortunately, like we didn't score, but it was the. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a story of my career. Uh, hey, that's girls basketball right there, Greg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that looked like my team. <laughs> so on I, the this layup. We can turn you over at times, but we may not score the ball on the, on, on the backside of it. Right. So, hey, I love that. Any, hey, I love the video clips, man. If you got, I mean, continue yeah. that if you have. Okay, uh, yep. I, ha I have a few like mocked up here. So when we get to times, I'll show them. Yeah. Are you guys all, it sounds like you guys are, it's continual pressure. Like in transition, I'm, su I'm assuming your threes better get their tails back. Your one has to do an immediate pickup. That's hard to do. We well, have. Trying, go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sure we probably have the same philosophy on this. So we go ahead. Okay. Uh, we have uh, we have in our, our defensive transition game, defensive balance, we have what we call a fullback and we have a halfback. The fullback is typically a two, a guard, that gets back all the way of the lane with the shot. And he is not allowed to release until there is a three back there to protect the basket. Okay. Then then once, once that three gets back there, then that two will push up into his spot. The halfback is always the one. And the one will turn around and will pick up the ball as soon as the other team gets it, you know, at a spot where he can get to it and get them slowed down. And uh, so that's that's the way we do it. Uh, one of the things that we struggle with at times is boys teams that like to run if they they can get pitch aheads on us if we don't hurry up and get back. So yeah, we tell our threes you you you're going to have to hurry back, and we give them four seconds. We do a drill in practice where we run them from block to block. And they got to get there in four seconds. And if they don't, then they get an extra reward uh, that uh, they get to do later at the end of practice. Right. The only thing I can add to that is, you know, we pretty much do the same thing. I don't designate him by a halfback or, or I basically just tell them the twos got to get back until the threes get by them. And then they start coming up, like Coach said. But we'll always emphasize, make sure everybody sprints back through the middle of the floor. You know, if you want to keep them out of the middle of the floor, you guys can't be wide sprinting back to your position. You guys got to make sure you take them 
you know, while the one's picking up, slowing the ball down, everybody else would basically got to run through the middle of the floor back to their position. And what you'll find is, especially with girls basketball, it might be a little bit different with boys, but teams that in the past, we just don't give up much on transition. Man, no. Really, if you look at our stats through huddle, um, we give up, I mean, it's maybe just a, two points, four points a game, maybe. I mean, not even that, I don't know, um, off defensive transition. Um, because eventually teams, they quit running. You know, once they, once they don't get it after a few possessions, they just take and they almost slow down enough that it just, it benefits you because you can get in your, your uh, the ball press a lot quicker. We give up a little bit more than that, but we are a pretty good defensive transition team, but we will occasionally run into a team on a given night that gives us, gives us fits as far as getting back and getting set up uh, and, and getting the ball down the floor before we can get set up. And, and our response to that typically is we just back up our point of pickup a little bit. And like Jared says, and we'll just go to half court and trap just past half court. And that seems to solve that uh, typically. But uh, uh, the other problem we might have in transition is they might have a really good guard that likes to speed dribble. And if our one can't get in front of him, then we end up scrambling, you know, trying to keep him for out of the lane and away from the basket. And we'll, we'll usually get that kid stopped. But because he collapses my defense all in the lane, and generally we end up susceptible to kick out threes after that. So those, those, are, those are things that we really, uh, really have to focus on in practices. We have what we call our get-back drill. And uh, then, you know, we just tell our one, if you can't keep the ball in front of you, then I need to make a substitution. And uh, usually that helps, helps them decide that they're going to uh, – because what our, our ones will like to do is they want to gamble. They want to get the steal. But – um, so they'll end up uh, chasing a lot more. And, and uh, we just tell them, if you can't keep the ball in front of you, then I need to find another one, either for that night or forever or whenever. So. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Coaches, tell me about – talk about uh, – you can jump in anytime, but talk about your half court. Give us the rotations of the defense. Uh, somebody's looking at it right now because I know – when we ran the ball press, the corner rotation, I have a big six-foot girl. That was almost impossible to have my big girl go out. Talk about rotations and, and where to put players in the half court. Okay, Jerry, you go ahead because we've switched the way we play this. So you, you talk about yours first, and uh, you guys go ahead, and then I'll tell you what we've gone to in our program. Okay. Um, and I'm going to do this just by – Kevin, I'm going to do this just by kind of going over some of the, the first couple drills we do in the quarter court. Great, great. Kind of goes over yeah. Is that okay? That's great. So, and, and we will do it. I know when I spoke at your clinic, we had to break it down individually. But um, usually we'll have the ones and twos doing a certain drill with, like, myself uh, on one side while my assistant takes the threes, the backs, the post, and does their breakdown drills on the other one. So you're not – taking up too much time. You can probably get them done in the first, you know, eight minutes of practice real quick. But we'll take and we'll start off by putting the offense with a, a one-guard front, so two wings and a point. So we'll have our one, our twos are perfecting elbows, and we'll really work on once they make a pass off to the wing, again, the one, and we take and really emphasize, you know, Coach talked about um, – um, angles we talk about angles but we also talk about moving on airtime you know once you see daylight between the ball and the passer's hand fingers you are sprinting to the next spot 
you can't wait for them to catch it before you get there. So, again, once that ball goes to a wing, our two is sprinting out. We do force them. We basically tell them belly button to the sideline. You know, I, I don't try to angle a certain way or anything. We basically try to play parallel to the sideline. At the same time, the one is sprinting toward the elbow, and they have, you know, if a team would have like a, a mid-post player, their low hand toward their baseline side hand would be in their gut. You know, just so because of us, our one's going to be right here. So right now when the ball's on the wing, the two is sideline. The one is at the high post, the elbow, with their baseline hand in the mid post or the high post gut. Backside two has dropped a little bit, okay? But again, we're playing top side. We're not dead fronting. We're playing top side because once they pass back here, this person's got to cover the, uh, the top. So on the pass back up, Again, the two is spurting back to their spot toward the elbow. The one, we call that J move, where they take a step or so to the middle, maybe discourage a high post pass, and then they're coming up. This other two comes up and protects their elbow. And we do the same thing on the other side. So, again, when the ball goes to a wing on a one-guard front, the two takes it. The one takes and drops and covers the ball side elbow. The backside two drops, and, again, butt back to the uh, backside corner. They're kind of watching for skip passes. Maybe they go and shoot a skip, you know, shoot the, the uh, we call it shooting gaps. They shoot the gap for a steal, okay? Um, if it's a two-guard front, it's a little bit different. Most teams will play at the two-guard front. So on that, we might have our one, just like you would in the press part, in the three-quarter core press, our, our one will basically, just like Coach said, they'll play them a couple different ways. They might pressure, they might play passing in, they might bluff and peel back. Our twos are then protecting the elbow again, but they might be, you know, they're not going to be on their elbows. They're going to kind of, it's almost like you've taken your diagram and just turned it. You know, it's like this is the top of the key up here a little bit. We just kind of turn it a little bit, okay? So now this is where we introduce, this is, you know, Greg, I know you probably didn't do a whole lot of trapping with ones and twos. Did you in the, in the quarter court? Or have you done that? Which, well, we have uh we have what we call red all over okay. where, uh, in that, where, that we run in the half court that where we trap every single pass that's made. Until and and they, that's what we, until they that's what we try to do. Say again? With our athletes and stuff on the girls' side, we do that every possession. I mean, we, if we can get a one-two trap out front here on the, in the slot positions, we will. But that's a read. That's not a call for me. That's basically when they, when they see that they have a trap, they might take in, go trap this, Okay. So, but that's positioning out front. On the other end, we have our threes called a figure eight drill. We'll put a coach up here. They'll make it, and again, the ball is up top. The threes are dead fronting. When the ball goes, I'm actually going to put, I'm going to put some wing players here too. When the ball goes to the wing, we tell them to go a step up and out. Backside is pretty much in front of the rim. Just because in case they do have a shooter in the corner, we're a step closer. So, again, we'll, we'll the three, if the ball's on the wing, we'll go a step up and out towards the ball, towards the corner. Backside goes rim run or right in the rim line. And when the ball goes to the corner, we take a banana cut out, take away the baseline. So, we're going to force them back to the middle. Again, that's where our trap is at times. And then we run our figure eight drill with our backside three. They go low side and leave. We kind of – we call it X step. We leave with our hand and then we'll step through and dead front. 
So we take a dead front. Now, this is why I would be where Coach has a little bit different philosophy, but we'll take and go low side. I mean, we do not go high side. We go low side just because we don't want to be sealed. We don't want them to push us up the lane and get a, a post feed for a layup. So we go low side, step through, okay, and then step across. We call it X-step and dead front. When the ball comes back out, we go over top, back to the rim, and they're spreading, again, back towards, at an angle, back towards the middle. Ball goes up top, we're dead fronting. It's the same thing, but it's continuous. We call it a figure eight drill for a reason because they are basically running a continuous figure eight. Ball gets reversed, they're going over, so it kind of looks like a figure eight. Your threes love that drill, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Your threes love that, especially when you make them do it for like a minute, minute and a half because they, they uh, tick you off during the drill because they're not doing it right, so you just let them do, go for a long time. That's like a conditioner. Yeah, they have to be tied on a string together. I mean, they yeah. have to be tied together. On yeah, often, and we'll tell the passers, you know, if they can, if they can go the ball inside, do so, and then we'll we'll have a consequence. But um, you know, we always try to make the practice for the games. We know in a game, most likely, most teams aren't going to work the ball around that quick. So if they can defend that during <laughs> practice, games will be the easy part. So so Kevin, we'll take and do those those drills in the quarter court. That's kind of like the base. And then we'll put them together with like a uh, five on seven, five on eight shell drill. But right. uh, Greg, real quick, if you want to take and talk about what you do different, but I'm guessing that's with the threes. No, uh, the whole thing. Uh, really? let, let Grant go ahead and talk. If his is similar to yours, then he can talk about that because mine's a completely different deal that we started this year and we're shifting to with our whole pro. Well, I'll go through all that, but Grant, you go ahead for right now. Okay. Um, we we have fell back in the last two years. I've ran this into more of a matchup one-two-two two, instead of um, well, you, like we give our thunder, Grant. That's what I was going to talk about. <laughs> but you probably run a different one. Actually, uh, um, a, a Kevin down in your neck neck of the woods. Like there's a Tim Slater, and he's at I can't remember the school he's at. But um, he is a girls coach in that area, and he was running a virtual clinic in March. And I spoke okay. with Jared about him. Um, and I thought I was the only one that ran a few of these crazy rules and stuff like this, but I found another guy that does it. And he runs okay. one to two back to this matchup. So my threes, depending on scout, will have different rules. Like we always follow the flash. So sometimes in a normal one, two, two, if it's flash to the elbow, the one is it's the one's job to sink in and take it away. I always flash my backside three. We go with that um, uh, and, and, and to help take that high post away and the one can stay out. I am with Jared in the fact that we will three-quarter full front on the low side and force that back to the middle. If a three has to go out, depending on our scout, um, we kind of – we shade, but we shade more to give the middle so our two is wedged in there and going to help a lot like with their backside. Um, but our three will also, um, if, if there's a dominant post player, a, a kid that we just don't want to leave because we don't think our backside three can get there quick enough in figure eight, our three will stay and our two will take the corner. Um, and we just bump everybody down. So if a two takes the corner, the three stays at home in full fronts. If the backside three has flashed, our other three is up. So the only help on the backside is the, is, is the two who has dropped 
like, like for that backside board. So we've gone to a little bit of that with our threes to help take that action away. Or what we call it is we say the threes are locking. So, so if our threes lock, our threes are playing man and our ones and twos are playing zone principles. Um, so like, we have a few of them where we'll go 12 lock, our threes are gonna lock. Uh, we'll have 12 chase where if it's a baseline runner, but that's a different topic, but that's how we've helped on some of those corner actions or, or those circle cuts or those C cuts where the point will kick to a wing and cut to the corner and the threes and twos, if they have bad talk and you're going to give up a corner three. Right. So we, we've kind of had, had to play it by scout, but uh, it really helped us to follow that flash. Sorry, Greg. It's all right. It's not the same. Okay, I told you. So you didn't steal my thunder. Okay, <laughs> so we're gonna play. We're gonna play a one-two-two matchup. And the first thing that we have to uh, go over is or cover with our kids is when do we convert from full court rules to our half court rules? And they've got to be really good at this. Uh, we spend a considerable amount of time in practice working on that conversion. And that happens either after the ball crosses the center third, and this is all in the front court, or after any two, three trap. And then we're in half court rules. And at Christmas time this year, we went from the regular one, two, two, that Jarrett, mine and Jarrett's in the half court are, were essentially the same. Might be a couple little minor things different. Um, but we found that we were having a terrible time rebounding in the half court. And it, and it all, even with my bigger teams, the ball press, the one, two, two in the half court, we always, we always hoped we would force more turnovers than we gave up offensive rebounds. But that didn't always happen. And sometimes it gets you beat. So with this year's group being really small and we had a couple of quick kids and a couple of kids not real quick, we went to the matchup behind it, a one, two, two matchup. And you'll see in, against a one guard front, the one takes the point, the two takes first guy to the left, and the three takes first guy to the right. One of your threes on the bottom has second guy left or right, and the other one takes post high or low. And you see, I got this one going up to take post high or low. This guy's got second man left or right. Your rule is, is if your man has the ball, you are on the all over the ball, all over it, pressuring the heck out of it. And if your man doesn't have the ball, you've got a foot in the lane. Then we're going to switch. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Hi, I'm Alex Stevenson, athletic director and girls basketball coach at Dodd City. I've been at Dodd City for seven years. During those seven years, we've won seven district championships, been to six regional tournaments and three state championship games. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, what it brings and the platform that we're able to share knowledge and wisdom on and, and grow as coaches. Every screen and every cut. But if your man cuts to the basket, you've got to take your man to the lane and give him off to somebody else before you can leave him, um, which sometimes makes our zone get a little distorted at times. We also have rules for individual players where everybody is a yellow light which is pressure the ball hard, foot in the lane if your man doesn't have it. 
we red light some kids, which means that we're going to play one pass away man-to-man -man defense on that kid in the half court. If you've got an outstanding shooter from the perimeter that we don't want to beat us from the perimeter, uh, and maybe he's got a really quick shot, maybe it's a six foot three guard, and we've got five, 10 kids, and we think he's gonna get the shot up over us, we will red light that kid. Um, and so basically we're playing just below the passing lane uh, so that when the ball is there, we are there with it. Or we might even tell him, hey, that kid cannot catch the ball. We can't guard him once he has it. Uh, and so we will red light that person. And then, then you have uh, the other school's uh, kids that maybe aren't as good a scorers from the perimeter, and we will just what we call green light them. And that means we only come a step or two out of the lane when they catch the ball. We don't go very far. And – so what are we really playing here, guys? What defense am I really playing here? That's more like a man-to-man. -man, uh, we're playing man. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're essentially playing man. Yeah. Okay? Only, only now listen, I heard Bob Knight say years ago, I was at a coach's clinic at the University of Indiana when he was there, and he said, if you play man, you get to decide which one of your players covers which one of my players but I get to decide where they guard from. Right. If you play zone, you get to decide where your players guard from, but I get to decide who they guard and you have to decide which is more important to you. And I decided at a high school level, it's more important for me to pick, figure out where my players are gonna guard from than necessarily who they're gonna guard. But we're playing a zone, but basically it's a lot of man to man and we've got some flexibility and we put it in at Christmas uh, break this year and went to it. And here's the other thing, you're playing man to man and nine times out of 10, you're gonna be going against the other team's zone offense. We did not see one man offense in 19 games of running this this year. Uh, we saw one towards the end of the game, and that was only because we were behind and we stretched out and we said, we called timeout. We said, okay, half court, we've got to red light everybody. And we're going to get out and we're going to play passing lanes a little bit. And so they just, they thought we went man. So uh, they went to their man offense. That was the only time, and that was only because we were down at the end. And then shortly thereafter that, we got out of that and just went to our red all over in the half court, and we just trapped them all over the place. But so that, that is what we do. We've got different people that will double the post depending upon our opponent. We'll either double with the one, we'll double with the ball side two, we'll double with the weak side three. Those are our three options. Uh, we, uh, we match up with the first pass made in the half court. Once the pass is made, so like we're in our ball press, the ball crosses center third, all our guys sprint back to the one, two, two zone. And then when that next pass is made, once everybody's there, then we match up. Next year, next year, we're gonna mix up which pass we match up on. We might wait till the third pass is made, play one, two, two for three passes, and then match up on you after that. Uh, so, if we're going to win 18, 19, 20 games again next year, we're going to have to be locked down defensively. And I'm really excited about this part of it on the back end of it, maybe helping. And it got us over the hump this year. We don't win a district without that defense, I can tell you right now. Uh, we, we don't win that game because they had two kids that absolutely could 
scorched the nets when they got hot and they were they were both hot but we got one of them contained because we got out and red lighted him a little bit so uh, I'm excited about it next year uh, we're going to pick different you know we may match up with the first pass we may match up on the second pass we may match up on the third pass and uh, I, I think that the defense or the offense will be uh, fairly confused most of the night. So, Greg, do you find out if they spread you out maybe a 1-4, right, try to get you spaced out on that first matchup? Is that a problem, you think? Or does – what are no, some of the – you should have – everybody that's not guarding the ball should have a foot in the lane. Okay. Unless you've red-lighted somebody. And then, you know, if you if they've got too many shooters that you're – you can't red-light more than two people. Right. Because otherwise you're too stretched out. It defeats the purpose of, of the defense itself. But, uh, right, right. Uh, no, 1-4 low, 1-4 high, I mean – Really doesn't mean squat to us. I mean, and, and if they, if you're talking about before the first pass is made, we're in the one, two, two, anyway. One, two, two. Yeah, I, I understand. Okay. Yeah, I love it. What, what I like, Kevin, is you have three different coaches that do three different. So people listening or seeing something like this, they can kind yeah. of pick and choose, you know. But but the the thing that we have all in common is we do what we do, and we do it. I think we we. The pressure comes, makes and misses. So it's pretty much the same thing. It's just different, maybe a little bit different tweaks and rules in the in the quarter court. Yeah, I love the details. I'm telling you, what we're providing here, you guys are providing, is I, I don't know. You can't find it anywhere else because most clinics you have one guy talking about his system, and we got three different ways to play the same defense. And I think the variations, the techniques, the like Greg's, I love your language, Greg. The green light, red light, yellow. That's simple, but simplicity works, right, with kids. Well, you got to make it simple. It doesn't matter how much I know. If, if I can't get them to understand what we're trying to do and, and uh, you know, that's, you know, you got a lights out three-point shooter, we're, we're going to red light him. We, we just, right. that means we're just not going to let him catch it or, or if, he, if he catches it, we got to be right there with him. So the kids understand it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was something, like I say, we put in. And here was another reason why we did it. We felt like, and we're a flex offensive team in, in motion, but, you know, motion depends upon my team. We'll go to it if we've got a really good group of guards, good decision makers. But more often than not, in the last 20 years, my teams have run flex for their man offense. Yeah, I love that. We play zone all the time. When we play just straight zone all the time, we don't spend a lot of time doing man-to-man -man defensive stuff. Matter of fact, there's been some years that the only man-to-man -man defense we worked on was when we were playing defense on our offense. So we felt like this year we just needed something. We needed we needed an impetus to play, to, you know, something to get us to work on our man-to-man -man a little bit more. And so basically, because it would make our half-court offense better, and then we now we're playing this matchup zone. Incidentally, I have to request that this be blocked to all coaches <laughs> on my schedule. I really don't want them. I really don't want to see their man offenses against my matchup zone. All your coaches are going to be tuning into this. I'll, I'll try my best not to allow them to see it. Um, hey, uh, Jared, um, talk about ask the coaches. Maybe, you know, maybe you're their best drill um, or the toughest offense they face within the defense. Um, kind of kind of pick their brains a little bit. I want you to do that because you guys all run the defense a little bit. I mean, with, with mine, when it comes to what gives us trouble, you know, I think the bigger division you play, I know Coach talked about getting some shooters and stuff he goes against, 
Grain, I'm sure when yeah. you were at Neosho with a bigger you know, school, you play rain, especially now Springfield, rain in the shooters. You know, teams have shooters all over the place. That can get you, I don't want to say spread out a little bit, but it kind of gets you moving a little bit, and that, that can cause you problems. If teams take and put a, um, you know, a playmaker or something in the high post, uh, when we played Elias this year for a district championship, they took and played. They had a real good lefty that's a, a, a junior. That they Buyer's put in a, girl. The high post, and that uh, they would let her create, kind of get it spread out, and and we'll we'll do some things to take and adjust to that. But that that's what kind of gives us the uh, um, some of the problems is just. But you know, we work on those things in practice. You know, like Kevin, I've talked to you before about you know we do any type of scouting. We'll do a lot of stuff out of like our five on eight, five on seven shell drill. So if we're playing a team that likes to shoot the threes and they got multiple shooters, we're going to take and you know we're going to spend the or two, most likely two practices, we're going to put five perimeter players, five perimeter players, we might put eight players on offense, two at the block, one at the high post, and we're going to put the one, two, two out there, and they're not going to have to, to defend it, you know, so we'll put shooters in the corners, because a lot of teams will take and try to run that skip pass and the one more pass to the corner for a shooter, so we'll get these guys moving a little bit, and, you know, we'll put a point system where if they get a three off, it's one point for the for the offense. If it makes it, they get two points, and uh, we'll kind of make it competitive uh, with our with our ball press. So it just get these these five. You know, our whole thing is is the mentality is our five are going to guard those. Eight, you know, and it gets into a game again. If you can guard eight in practice, you can guard five in a definitely uh, game. But so for us, you know, shooters definitely, and then also by putting a, a playmaker in the middle. The only thing we a lot of times will do is if they have somebody at the high post that can score, we'll run what we call flathead, and that is we'll take our one and drop them. Our twos now kind of flatten out. I wouldn't say it's more like a three-two, but it is. It's more like a flat three-two. But um, the only thing that might cause a problem is if they put a shooter up here, but this person will just kind of get a hand up and kind of they're still protecting the high post, but they might you know get a hand up on the shooter but the twos are more out wide and that we might run something like that. The only, the only disadvantage is if you're behind by doing that, that takes away your trapping out front. So right. if you get, if you're up like this year, we've had some teams, we got up by, you know, 10 with fourth quarter and they just try to drive it on us or get the ball to high post. We'd go to this, but we had a lead. If we're behind, it's kind of tough to do this because teams will just spread you out and it takes away your trapping areas as well. But you're taking away their strength too, right? With the high post. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. You're just hoping they don't have other, you know, exactly. other players. Oh, out there. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, Grant, what's what's tough? What's the toughest offense? Obviously, players make a difference, but what's what's the toughest thing to defend on your side? This year's group, like we won 23 games, but the toughest thing for us was when teams had two big post players, two skilled, and we would lock to them. But just the size-wise, we got uh, sealed on skips or we just got high load. Um, and we didn't have an answer for it. We did what Jared did and, and sunk the one, and we call that 12 flat, um, to, to try and help out on that high post. Um, but the other thing that gave us fits at times was the baseline runner. If if our two and three didn't get out 
uh, or didn't communicate well on who's going to take it, then or if he had a slow three going out to a shooter, that was never very good for us. It, or it didn't end up very good. Uh, so those two things were were for us what gave us some fits. Uh, and going back to the school that I came from before where we only ran this um, was shooters. Right? We would play in our conference uh, some schools that had three or four kids going to play at the next level. And if they had three or four shooters, it's hard for us. To, it just spreads us so thin that they would uh, break us down off the dribble when we had to get to shooters. Uh, unfortunately, we – we were able to give two local schools their all-time three-point makes in a game against us record. So, uh, <laughs> congratulations! Yeah, uh, but at, at the same time, I can remember a game that we played. We didn't win, but we were right there, and we shouldn't have been. And we gave up 13, 14 threes in a game, um, but they had z z in zero points in the paint, and we were still in the game. Uh, so. And we gave up the year we won state at Sturgeon. We gave up uh, 13 threes in the state championship game and won the game 82 to 80. So, <laughs> sure. I mean, uh, yeah. But I always tell my kids, how many points do they have to? I mean, how many threes? If you can take away everything in the paint, how many threes do they have to make to beat you? I mean, if you're giving up 10 points or less in the paint, that's always our goal each game. And I mean, that's a that's a pretty high goal, but uh, pretty hard to reach goal, but. If we only give up 10 points in the paint to beat us, they've got to make 13, 14 threes. How many times is that going to happen? I mean, and we're not going to just sit there and watch them like you see in a PE class where they let, just let the kids shoot from out there. We're going to close out. So, um, I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying, but it, uh, th there's going to be times where you do give up a lot of threes. There's no perfect defense, right, guys? I don't think there's anything to create it. It's um, no. It's like you just hope that your kids on that night or your scout or sure. um, like Greg was saying in our di district championship this year, I, I, like we, I screwed us up early and tried to finesse this. And fin I had to call a timeout when we were downtown and said, forget everything I said, girls, let's go back and do. <laughs> Don't you love those moments? Oh yeah. <laughs> let's go back and do what we do. And we went on a, we're down 10. We went on an 18, two run and took lead at half, but, they shot 24, 25 threes in a game. And fortunately, they only made five. Uh, but we – like, you got to give up something. It's just that you hope that you give up the right amount of what to the right team. And, and a lot of times, the ball press, if it's doing its job of – you know, one of the main advantages is applying pressure, you wear down opponents. So by the second half, you're hoping that they lost a little bit in their legs where those three-point shooters – those shots start to become a little bit right. short, you know, so you're, you, you do give up those things at times, but, um, um, and, and there's been times where we've kind of, you know, we've had to maybe go one, two, two, back to, to two, three, just for a few possessions, just to get the fours out there a little bit closer to them. Yeah. But I also like to see kind of what, you know, are they, are they contested or uncontested? If they're contested shots, they just got a credit shooter and just yeah. good shot and get back, you know, but if, if, if somehow you're getting screened, or if you're taking and just not getting a hand up, maybe just a quick conversation with that player and, and you make a couple changes and then it's a little bit different. Right, for sure. Um, coaches, is there any final words? I know you guys, it's been over an hour, man. I appreciate you guys sharing. I know I've learned a lot. I think this is great. Three experts on the one-two-two ball press, each one, each one of you with a different perspective. 
I love it personally. I think a lot of coaches are going to really going to like it. Give us some final words on a coach who wants to put this in. Well, I don't, I wouldn't say June, but soon. <laughs> uh, I'll start. You got to sell out to it. it the, that's the only way it's going to work. Um, we practice our ball press, our three quarter court press. We practice it a minimum of 20 minutes a day all the way up through January. And then in February, we may go to it every other day at 20 minutes, or we may just do 10 minutes, or we may just work on it scout specific. But all the way through January, we work on it 20 minutes a day. And it, and you can tell when we don't when we don't work on it. So and you can't you can't if you're going to run it you can't in the back of your mind think well if this doesn't work we're going to do something else, um, you know. And I've known guys that have run the one two two and have tried to ball press a little bit with multiple defenses. And I would tell you that their defenses are not that their one two two is not that great. If you want a great ball press, and a ball press will help you win a few games each year that you maybe shouldn't have won. Uh, if you want a great ball press, you've got to spend a ton of time working on it and you got to sell out to it. Love it. That'd be my advice. And you got to be a salesman to your players as well because the, yeah. the kids pick up on that. You know, if they, if they think you believe in it, they're going to believe in it. And it, it's like anything else, you know, uh, you know, Greg always told me growing up, you know, when it comes to the motion offense, you know, it, it gets better with time. Same thing with, with this defense. You know, you'll find the um, – when coaches call me about it and they're talking, you know, I'll tell them, you know, just like Greg said, just stick with it, you know, but, but come second year of it, you're going to see the girls are going to be more comfortable with it. They're going to do things such as like anticipating, but just those little things with it, they're going to do a better job at it because they're going to be more comfortable with it, have more confidence and stuff. So, but I think when you first put it in, you have to be a salesman yourself and kind of, uh, you know, get them to believe in it. I've ran it for nine years, you know, eight years at Boonville, one year at Scotland County. I ran it a little bit with some junior high teams up at Clark County, and they will all tell you this is by far their, their favorite defense. You know, and we've played multiple defenses before, but they kind of always go back to really enjoying uh, what this does and just kind of what it does to opponents and stuff. Yeah, no, I, I agree with bo with what both those guys said is, I did it on my first year in this part because it was new. It was different. I could sell the kids on, on it. Um, they, they like doing it. Um, it's not a popular thing per se, uh, but it can be very, very effective um, if the kids are excited about it and you can put the, the right pieces in play. Um, and, and that's why we went to it. And I called Jared to text him a few times a year, like when I have an, an, an issue, like, hey, what do I do? here or what would you do here he sends me film and I watch his team uh so we just try and pick on and, and now I I it's the first time I've met Greg but now I'm gonna I'm gonna call you too man well that is the one thing there's really so few of us that do this at least in our state uh there's a lot more ball press coaches in Illinois which which is the influence of the ball press for me was I spent seven years coaching in Illinois uh so I uh, kind of brought it back with me to Missouri uh, or started doing it when I came back to Missouri. But there's so few of us in this state that, hey, we got to stick together. So uh, I'd be happy to answer questions or be, lean on somebody else when I got a question. You never know at all. So if I've got problems with something, I may lean on Grant and ask him how he's handling certain situations. So uh, I'd be happy to do it. Coaches, give your contact information. I know coaches will be contacting you about this. Let me write it down. 
I know all of you guys are on Twitter and so forth. And, um, on Twitter, they can find me under, uh, at Coach Hunziker. So at, uh, again, C-O-A-C-H, then Hunziker, H-U-N-Z-I-K-E-R. I don't mind giving out my cell phone because I've done it with the, the videos we've done and stuff. So if, you know, Coach wants to get a hold of me, they can call me on my cell phone, which is 660-342-2100. Kevin, if you don't mind, I'm going to plug a little bit of Cisco's video. Is that okay? Yeah, do it. Do it. I know I did down at, down at the clinic I did for Kevin down at um, the, the Legends Clinic on the lake, down at the Lake Oconee. Um, I did the same thing, but I, I did have the, uh, the privilege of Jim Donnelly that runs Cisco's video. Um, there is, I've done a couple ball press videos. I'm mean, Greg will tell you that really before that video, and I, I just got lucky with that. Before that video, Lauren Wallace did one years ago. Yeah. Um, that's been about 20 years ago. So there's just nothing out about there. But, you know, if, if they kind of saw something maybe that interests them that we talked about tonight, and we didn't really dive as deep as what we were maybe hoping in drills and stuff, they can always maybe look, look, um, uh, look up that video or something that, or at least get a hold of me and I'll, I'll help with anything that I need. But the, at least there's stuff out there anymore. It seems like they're starting to become a little bit more with the ball press, but just like coach said, not, not as a lot, not a lot compared to other things. Right. Right. Hey, I still have the Lauren Wallace VHS, man. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, do you have a VHS player? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the question there. I have VHSs, but I don't have the player right now. Yeah, I don't have any VHS players. They're hard to find. Uh, That's my contact information. I don't know if you can see it or not. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, or you can read my handwriting, but it's uh, gbisher at laplata.k12.mo.us. My Twitter uh, handle is at gregbisher1, and there's my cell phone number, 573-682-4686. And if you're old enough to remember, I feel like Junior Sample on Hee Hall saying, call BR549. My email is Berent Grant. It's B-E-R-E-N-D-T. It's hard to say. Grant, G-R-A-N-T, at mountvernon.k12.mo.us. We have that long one, right, Greg? All those dots and dots and O's. and. I'm at Mountaineer GBB, M-T-N-E-E-R-G-B-B, and cell phone is 573-619-1335. Great. Thank you, guys, man. Well done. Hey, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I appreciate all your knowledge. I'm just going to click it off right, right quick. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram.